0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined by my co-hostesses with the mostesses, Cassidy Williams and Ryan Donovan. How's it going, y'all? Oh, Pretty good. How are you? Good. Today, we have a sponsored episode from the fine folks at Logitech. Whenever we're talking keyboards in some fashion, we have to have Cassidy on the show as our resident keyboard expert. And today we are joined by Yang Zhu, who is a creative coder, an artist, an architect, many things, and is going to chat with us about some of the process of creation and coding and what software and hardware play a role in that. So Yang, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having
0: me. So uh, yeah, for folks who are not familiar, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you found yourself in sort of this really interesting niche of doing art architecture but involved a lot of that in you know the use of code to create visuals to create you know landscapes and environments
1: yeah my background is purely from uh, architecture design and uh, I also graduate in Bartett the architecture education nowadays is just evolved quite a lot and the program that I was studying is about like the Space, the relationship between space and performing and uh, uh, interaction, mm-hmm. and that's uh, where I get started. Like I think coding is not really a strange thing for architects to learn because nowadays uh, they use code to optimize their design, and uh, I'm familiar with code before. It just at some point my uh, education, I realized that. I can use coding to express myself mm. and um, I enjoy more about doing visual doing the architecture practice mm. so that's why I just merge like coding and uh, modeling and all this sort of thing to art, which is a kind of way of merge the idea and do self-expression and do yeah what I good at and what I love. Mm.
2: The work uh, you show on your website is sort of immersive audiovisual space. It seems very, very cool. in talking about your your program working with space and performance, how did you come to like find your particular style and make this like immersive space?
1: Well, the reason why I do immersive space or immersive art is I think that particular idea can be uh described by this kind of immersive art um i think this message just can describe the idea the best that's why i use that as the final outcome but i also do um like digital art and morphic art displaying an outdoor screen and i um, i'm working on also sculpture like connected sculpture uh physical installation stuff like that as for style or the rhythm of creating, I don't think I just find it <laughs> intentionally because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, it just emerged during my creative career and it, it, it might change or grow with me mm-hmm. in the future.
0: I think maybe what folks would be curious about on this podcast, like what programming languages do you like to use mm-hmm. um, and you know, in what way do you find those are well suited to kind of the artistic process you have?
1: In terms of coding, uh, I think like during the Logitech campaign, I teach some of the software developer the processing.
3: Processing is cool.
1: Yeah, processing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it is actually the first coding language I learn when I get into the creative coding part. And when I start to get to know, okay, I can use the code to do some visuals. And it is a, a Java-based programming platform, I would say. And you can just use that to create visuals doing. If you go really crazy about it, you can use that to do software, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just I would suggest every newcomer to learn processing, but it's definitely not the end because every program language, the logic behind is more or less the same. But of course, the CPU language mm-hmm. rather than GPU language like uh, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's another kind of process. Yeah. But yeah, um, once you got to know the... A logic of coding like uh, and then you just need to know what kind of art you want to do for instance if you want to do gaming and uh, you probably need to learn c sharp if you use unity or uh, c plus plus if you use unreal but get to know the logic and then find out the right language that can solve your problem because the most important thing is the idea of art or creative
3: It's really just being creative with math, but then using different syntax. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. I'm not familiar with processing, but looks like it came out of a program designed by numbers at MIT with John Maeda, which is sort of a very famous and influential group of, you know, computer scientists, artists, and thinkers. And then, yeah, like it, it seems that there's different ways to do it. Like there's A sketchbook you have which is almost kind of like your ide and you can play with different ideas in there and then turn them into little applets how would you compare it to you know like an ide that most folks might be familiar with like a vs code or something like that
1: it is much simpler Mm -hmm. it is really straightforward for me at the moment um, i'm not using processing for my creation but i remember during the time when i first get to know and learning processing, it is just like opening a gift box for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just really simple. One window and then just type your code there and you press play, something can just pop up or most of the time it's a bug Mm -hmm. and you need to fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but but when you fix the bug and then you finally open the gift box, that is the surprise Mm -hmm. sometimes or shock sometimes. But yeah, compared with the uh, Visual Studio or other Kind of coding platform. I think th- this is the most fun part of it. Mm-hmm. As a student before, I just know, okay, I, every time I open it, it might work, it might doesn't. But mm-hmm. it, you know that you're getting to the point that you can unzip the, the gifts. Mm-hmm. So That's really
0: interesting. Yeah, we had a conversation with another artist who's uh, working on the Logitech campaign who does creative coding for music. And it was interesting. She said something similar like, I'll write something and then I'll be a little surprised by what comes out or I'll, I'll, you know, I have a program that will sort of do something random that I have to respond to. And so it's interesting to think about as an artist, both of you kind of feel like obviously you're writing the code, you have an idea of what you want to do, but then the machine is giving you back some gift, mm. some inspiration, and then you can go from there.
2: If I remember correctly about processing, uh, it was used a lot for procedural generation and art. Do you use
1: any of that in your work? Not really. Cause uh, that's actually the, the next coding, I would like to suggest uh, everyone who want to learn coding. Because I think processing for me is a really, really great platform to get to know the logic behind uh, coding. But it's just um, If you need to create something visual, for me, because I, I do mostly visual and uh, processing mm. is not that efficient mm. for me. Mm. Later on during my Education or career, so I tried Touch Designer, which is kind of like a node-based programming. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just link different logic blocks and then link them together, and then something can pop out. And that is similar to what Ben just mentioned, like the musical uh, coding. Compare with processing and Touch Designer, and, and then the the musical coding. I, I don't know which platform uh, she was using, but one is real-time programming, real-time mm-hmm. coding. Another is just like opening a box that you click play, and then it just give you something, and that is not real time. The real time program is like every time you change a parameter, it just give you the results instantly, and that that is Touch Designer that I uh, use a lot before, and that will give you the surprise instantly, and sometimes you just want to link different logic block together and see what's the outcome. And most of the time you control the code, but you probably give a bit bit of freedom mm-hmm. to the code to surprise you yes
2: so what's when you're doing the actual creation of the work um, what's your your setup? Do you have you know a laptop and a bunch of gear? do you have like a you know drafting table nearby?
1: Uh, well, my setup is quite simple, I think just just like everyone at a desktop because laptop is not enough for me, has the Mm. GPU power and uh, two monitor, but it's color validated because I need the color to be accurate. Mm. And of course, Logitech MX uh, keyboard and mice, they are just really great and fitting to all my setup. And uh, one sound card Mm. that can distribute a sound signal to uh, four of my speaker located in the four corner of my room, so I can do spatial sound with it. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. Yeah, and a microphone here to right. get my voice in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, except that everything is in, in dark color because I want to minimize the visual destruction because <laughs> I just want yeah. to fully focus mm. on what is happening on the screen.
0: Right. Yeah. And so you mentioned, yeah, like the the Logitech stuff works well with your setup. Do you have certain like macros or certain, you know, like things that you've set up with the hardware that allows you to navigate around your software and and between different services and programs?
1: Like I remember last time I did the Logitech campaign in London. I set up the initial setup for processing because I just click one button and it it will open the the processing and then type void setup and void draw, which is something you have to type every time Mm. in the window and then... Yeah, except that I I didn't set up like really, really crazy because I see someone that's doing it. it. That can boost their uh efficiency quite a lot, but I I didn't, mm-hmm. honestly. But it is just because that uh every time my creative process is just so different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's the that's the reason.
0: Cassidy, we've had these two conversations and you've been on them both times, you know, folks who are in this world more of creative coding talk about Wanting to create something and then be a little bit surprised by what comes out. Do you think that that is also true for you as an engineer, or that's like the opposite? You know, I think a lot of times what when I talk to engineers, they're like, "What I really want is when I write something, I know exactly how the code's going to perform, and there'll be no surprises, and you know, like the, no edge cases, right?" So it's kind of like interesting to think about that dynamic.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm always pleasantly surprised when I just like throw code at the wall and hope that it works and it does. Right. That's always great. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't happen all the time. That's
0: your <laughs> surprise. Right. It works the way I intended it to. Right. It's not yeah. surprising me.
3: Yeah. It's always fun when there's like an unintended bug that actually ends up being a feature with all the memes aside where sometimes there's a bug and we're like, oh yeah, that's a feature and it's fine. But <laughs> if it actually ends up doing something interesting where you can take that and say actually, that's kind of neat. What if I extended the right. software in, mm-hmm. in one way or another? That's always fun when when you get kind of that opportunity. And what's interesting is because I'm usually writing code for a company or and, and a lot of people are, I think with a lot of software developers, our setups are very colorful. And I thought it was interesting how, Liang, you said like right. you eliminate the visual distractions so you can focus on the art that you're creating. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I've got lots of rainbow lights and colors and things everywhere because I kind of like the distraction because I'm not making as much art. So it's kind of interesting to think of it that way.
2: Yeah, yeah that's cool. Liang, like the, the gray walls, do you have other tricks that get you into sort of a state of flow when you're working?
1: Uh, I normally, every morning, uh, i normally going to do like a small uh, session of meditation mm-hmm. right before I'm doing my work because uh, obviously after you wake up, your phone will keep annoying you <laughs> with yeah. the messages. But when you really sit down in your studio and then decide to start working and then just a quick meditation to settle my mind down and yeah, and then uh, write down, like I have like a small uh, textbook to write down like every task I need to finish every day. So just follow the path one by one. It just, it's gonna boost my efficiency. Hmm. And so do you feel like your work with code is taking
0: you in a certain direction? I know you mentioned, right, like initially starting with processing and now wanting to go more into touch designer and node, like in terms of the art that you're creating, do you feel like you could describe the evolution? Like, you know, where you think it's heading? Mm -hmm. What are you hoping, you know, in this year or, you know, in the near future, you're going to be sharing with folks?
1: I think from last year, like it's just linked with the question before, like the style or uh, the rhythm of creating. Uh, from last year, I, I generally feel that, okay, some of my work or mo- many of my work has some relation in between. Because the more I create, the more I get to know myself mm-hmm. more. And I realize that my artwork more or less related to time and what is fascinating about time is that there's a, a gap between uh, the actual time in the physical world and the time that you can feel mentally. Mm-hmm. And uh, for instance, that if you're walking on the street and the streets artists play violin and uh, you may be mentally slowed down and everyone getting to a slow motion mm-hmm. and you might can remember everyone's facial ex- expression because you're right. mentally slowed down. And that is... That is the moment that time getting slower. And for me, it really depends if it's anything triggered me. Uh, sometimes triggered by sound from a bird, or sometimes just feel really discomfort from the environment. Or there's one time I feel released weirdly because I was cycling. Mm through a really dodgy park. So, but I will double thinking deeply like why I get this feeling and then uh, most of the time, yeah, it is about the time I freeze and then um, when I feel. Mm.
0: I think we've talked about this, Cassidy, you know, in relation to flow state, you know, that feeling of like you find something that's really interesting to you, you sit down to work, you look up and three hours have passed, right? And it felt like five minutes. Yeah. And what you're saying, Liliana, is so interesting to me. One of the things that I've always, whenever I read about it again, it always like sort of tickles my brain is time dilation like you mm-hmm. said and in a situation of intensity like if you get in a car accident or you know something happens that makes your adrenaline rush those 30 seconds you take in as much detail like you said as you normally would in an hour and if you go to back mm-hmm. to replay that you know and somebody asks you about it you can remember every single face like you said whereas mm-hmm. most of the time that stuff your mind is somewhere else and that your brain's not letting that stuff in right mm-hmm. so it's like when you are open to receive it suddenly there's a lot more information out there than you realize. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the moment that make me feel really alive mm-hmm. and uh, something like mm-hmm. related to the artwork called "Void." That it just really reminds me that when I was a child and then uh, I clean my bed and just wave the, the bed sheet and then there's some dust in the air mm-hmm. when the light shines through, yeah, mm-hmm. floating in there and then it just reminds me of my childhood, and that's the moment. Mm-hmm. Right, But I always remember in that, even I was maybe three years old. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. put the links in the show notes, but I looked at Void and Phonon and I thought both of them were really interesting And in that it was like, Phonon is like you go into this little space and then using the software, it makes it feel infinite, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like you're actually in a tiny little spot, but you're kind of in this AR environment. And then Void, you're out on, the, on this crowded street and the video kind of like shows people looking at their phones and there's a stoplight and there's headphones, like everybody's distracted. And then you see people stop and look into nothing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly like, you know, they kind of like wake up from yeah. the busyness yeah. that's around them, which is cool. Yeah.
3: It's interesting that you brought up kind of like w- when you were a kid, the, those kinds of memories. And it it's kind of interesting to think of it that way because when you're a kid, you're learning so much about the world. And so mm-hmm. you are paying attention to all of the mm-hmm. little things and you're kind of navigating that space. But then once once you're an adult, you're kind of, you know it. and And it's almost like a, primal animal thing to be just like because I'm surviving and stuff I don't need to pay attention to these things that don't right. matter yeah.
0: totally you got to get that child's mind back got to activate your child's mind got to relearn wonder yeah right exactly Lu Yang for you it sounds more like you want the hardware just to work like you want it to be kind of invisible right like so that you can be focused on everything else
1: yeah yeah during the Logitech campaign there's one feature I, I really like is the smart lighting mm-hmm. I think they um, make it upgrade compare with the last generation because during my creative process i kind of want to focus on my screen and then after finish the coding and i need to decide okay do i need to change the lighting to change the like for instance the mood of my visual but you have this kind of thinking process you want to fully focus on your screen and at that moment if you don't type like the the keyboard uh, light going to turn off and mm. whenever your hands on somewhere like uh, near the near the keyboard, the light's gonna turn on, and that is something that I think is really thoughtful as a product design. It, it really listen to what the users mm. need, and that is just really thoughtful. Mm. And uh, also, like the key, like I think I don't know, like most of the other keyboard in, in the world is they would not have this kind of little like each of the key will have a, basically the shape of the key is different. And then uh, it just feel really comfortable mm. when you type it because your, your finger is more like a circular shape. And then,
0: mm. Oh, I see. It's got like a groove that your fingers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. that's you getting to the
2: groove?
0: I like the, kind of Oh, Ryan, you should be a marketer. <laughs>
2: I should be. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, I mean, it's funny. Cause like, obviously we're talking about this and, you know, we're here to talk about logic, but Cassidy, I would love your thought. I mean, I really do think probably for everybody without realizing it, it matters, right? Like, and then for people who get into it, Cassidy can tell you about the switches and the oils yeah. and the sounds and the feel, you know, and all of that makes a difference. I mean, Cassidy, what are some of your favorites?
3: Yeah, well, I I always love it when you have a very scooped keycap because it's like your fingertips are getting a little hug. You can kind of just <laughs> type in and it's nice to feel like you're right. kind of in it as you're typing. And depending on the yeah. keyboard that I'm using, I particularly like it when as I'm typing, like I'm on a roll. And if nothing's getting in my way and I can just keep typing and, and feel like I'm getting faster because everything is just fitting the way it should, it's, right. it's motivating. It makes me want to do more just because I can. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. All right. So I have to ask because I think it's been on the mind of a lot of artists and coders, and Ryan and I both have pretty strong opinions, maybe not on the same side of the fence. How do you feel about NFTs, you know, as a way to have ownership of art or to create something digital that's unique or that can be tokenized and shared? You know, I think NFTs blew up in popularity during the pandemic. People made and lost fortunes on them. But now that all that sort of hype has passed, what are your thoughts about NFTs and how you might use them going forward?
1: Well, the NFT obviously is is a proven that any digital format creation uh, now is unique rather than... um, a file that can be copy and paste easily mm-hmm. uh, and because of that it's definitely an opportunity for digital artists to mm-hmm. make a living but personally except the uh, sort of financial benefits of NFT I focus more on um, NFT is the way of uh, artistic expression which mm-hmm. is, is in, a, in a 2D format and uh, maybe every participant can get a part of a series mm-hmm. and But to be honest, I haven't done any NFT yet. Mm. It's just I haven't really found sort of inspiration or idea that I felt uh, NFT is the best way to express. Like I mentioned before, like no matter immersive art, projection mapping or sculpture, connected sculpture. um, Yeah, but NFT is also a way of expression. But yeah. I'm looking forward to doing an NFT. So you get to have the best
0: of both worlds. You like NFTs, but you haven't done one. So we can't judge you. <laughs> 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 so usually, y'all, we shout out a Lifeboat badge. But today, let's give a shout out to George Profenza, who helped folks figure out how to position a vector in a coordinate system when they're using processing and P5JS to do some geometry and some creative coding and make some art. We appreciate you and it's cool to see that stuff on Stack Overflow. As always, I am Ben Popper. I'm the Director of Content here. You can hit me up on x at Ben Popper, DM me x, DM x, and you can email us podcast at Stack Overflow or if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It would be very kind if you did that.
2: I'm Ryan Donovan. Uh, I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find it at stackoverflow.blog. You can... DM me on X at R, Thor donovan and uh, X is going to give it to you. DMX.
3: <laughs> I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm the CTO over at Contenda. You can find me at cassidoo C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things.
1: I'm Luyan Zhou, and uh, I'm a new media artist. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Luyan underscore Zhou or uh, Luianzo.com.
0: Great. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you soon.